Well, good morning. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you that uh, this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you for this day that you have set apart, that we might worship you, that we might fellowship together and be an encouragement one to another. Uh, Lord, as we look at this uh, last chapter in Christianity and liberalism, we pray that uh, you would bless us by the, the content that we're able to to read and to think about this morning. Lord, bless us in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're here. We're at the final chapter of Christianity and liberalism. So exciting. Probably if you've been reading it, it's especially exciting. And if you you haven't read it, and the book has just kind of been staring at you from the shelf, making you feel guilty, it's it's not too late. Uh, It's worth, you know, give it a little bit more time and then Pick the book up again uh, and and start reading it. Uh, it'll bless you. I've I've read it three times I think now, and uh, every time I see something uh, new regularly on uh, every other page, and so it's a blessing of a book to come back to. But we come to this final chapter of Christianity and liberalism this morning, and it's the church. And so why does Machen end on the chapter? the church. Well, this is really the application of everything that he has been talking about up to this point. We've gone through uh, uh, doctrine, God and man, the Bible, Christ, and salvation, these topics, and Machen has shown us how the liberal, the, the modernist view in his day of these subjects is radically different than what the Bible teaches us. Uh, liberalism is not Christianity, and he's faithfully shown us this by going through every one of these topics. And so now it's as if he's engaging with the question, okay, Machen, you've got us, but we can all still worship together, right? Uh, as, as modernists, as people who are anti-supernaturalists, as people who don't believe what the Bible says anymore, this is who Machen has been combating. It's almost as if in this last chapter he says, well, can we really remain in the same church together? And and Machen's thesis here is that there has to be a parting of ways between modernism and Christianity. Uh, These two ways of thinking uh, can't stay in the same church together. Uh, And so just to remember a little bit of what Machen is dealing with in his day, we, we looked many weeks ago at uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick's famous sermon from 1922, Shall the Fundamentalists Win? And a few of the things he said in this, uh, he he said that the fundamentalist controversy threatens to divide the American churches as uh, as though they were not sufficiently split already. So, Uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick is appealing to unity and saying, guys, y'all who are all riled up about uh, about what the scriptures teach about Christ and you don't feel like that's being uh, emphasized or or taught properly, just settle down about that. Can't we all just get along and stay in the church together? But then Fosdick, uh, you'll remember, for for being the tolerance guy, he's pretty intolerant. And he accuses the fundamentalists, the people who, uh, in, in his day, want to stay close to what the Scriptures say, he accuses them of being illiberal and intolerant. And he says that man has come into the possession of new knowledge. The modernists have been trying to see this new knowledge in terms of the Christian faith and to see the Christian faith in terms of this new knowledge. And so remember, he's saying that 
we, we really have to, uh, as modern people in his day in the 1920s, uh, with all the new things that we know, we've got to reread the Bible. We've got to look back at what the scriptures say, and we've got to throw out all these uh, supernatural things, the, the miracles, the claims of Jesus that he's more than just a man, that he is God. Uh, we, we've got to get past these those things. We've got to get rid of those things and just look for the basic, simple, moral teachings of the Bible. Well, Machen has faithfully shown through his book that you can't do that. Uh, you're gutting, you're ripping apart Christianity if you do that. We have a supernatural faith. We believe that God created the world, that He spoke all things into being, and we worship and serve Him. We believe that we're sinners in need of redemption, and the only hope is in Christ, uh, God who became man and dwelt among us and took our sin on Himself on the cross so that we could have forgiveness and new life because of Him. If you get rid of supernaturalism, if you get rid of uh, all the things that the liberals want to, you don't have Christianity anymore. You have a completely different religion. And so this is what Machen presses them with in this last chapter and really shows his readers uh, what needs to happen next. And so here's uh, four uh, ways in which you could divide this final chapter. Uh, the, the first two subjects that we'll look at are kind of a liberal objection that Machen seeks to answer. Is if, the, if, the, if the liberal said, but we're brothers, we should stay in the same church together, and they appeal to the brotherhood of Christians. Then the liberal also objects and, and says, well, what about unity? Aren't you being intolerant by claiming that those who reject Christ as being, as being God uh, aren't you being intolerant by saying that that is not Christianity? Well, after Machen deals with those objections, he appeals to ministers, he appeals to pastors, uh, and, and says that the liberal pastor needs to be honest about what they believe. They're not being honest in the way that they speak. They're using orthodox language, biblical language, but they're emptying out its meaning and, and, uh, and giving new definitions uh, to old historic uh, biblical words. And then Machen talks about the battle ahead, finally. He, he tells us how to prepare uh, to stand strong against those who oppose what the Bible plainly teaches. And so we'll look at these four things. We'll start with brotherhood. Now, Machen starts this section by saying that liberalism loves social institutions. Now, there's a lot of concern for social welfare and, and helping other people uh, in big institutional ways. Um, this, com this comes up in, uh, in, in the, the liberal uh, Presbyterian church in Machen's day. The, the, the Presbyterian church is becoming more liberal in Machen's day. Uh, it, it comes out in missions and in the desire to have missions uh, organizations that are emphasizing uh, meeting the, 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 the temporary, the physical needs of, of people. And, uh, but Machen says that, uh, and, and it's we, we, we talked about this several weeks ago, uh, the missionaries are really losing the gospel. Uh, they're, they're healing people temporarily, helping them bind up their wounds, but they're not uh, healing the deepest need of the soul and preaching uh, sin and repentance and life in Christ. So Machen's going to say the most important institution is the church. It's not that hospitals aren't important. Uh, it's not that counseling isn't important. Uh, it's not that uh, relief and food banks and, and all these other things aren't important, but there is something that's most important. It's worshiping the Lord, repenting of sin, and finding grace in Christ. Uh, and so 
uh, Machen will say that we agree with liberals that brotherhood is important, but our brotherhood is founded on adoption in Christ. Uh, Liberals were quick to say that they believed in the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, that yes, we're all brothers. Pastor David talked about this uh, recently, that and there's a sense in which we uh, we agree, but we would want to go further. Certainly, God is the father of us all in the sense that he created us and we're made in his image. As Christians, we'd want to say more. In fact, so much more that we'd really want to reserve that language of brother and sister for those who have come to Christ. Uh, because we have been uh, adopted, we have a, a new relationship with the father. Uh, we're no longer lost in our sin, but we've come into uh, his household, his family. Uh, Machen says then that all other institutions are without solid hope, solid ground uh, if they are outside of Christ. And so another way we could think about this is that social programs are valuable, but you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise all the way to hell. And uh, Machen, I think here, is really pressing the issue that if you help someone temporarily in this life, you may have done a good thing for them. But if you don't tell them what their soul needs, Uh, then you have not done them the service that uh, Christ left the church to do. Uh, Now, Machen deals a little bit with uh, what the liberals were saying about uh, about missions at the time. Uh, He he says it's only a baseless caricature that Christian missionaries are represented as though they had no interest in education or in the maintenance of a social life in this world. Uh, Missionaries were being uh, caricatured as if, well, you're only concerned about somebody being saved, and you don't care if they're starving, if they're poor, if they're hungry. You just want to preach the gospel to them, have them pray a prayer, and then leave. And Machen's saying that's a completely unfair caricature of a missionary, uh, that they're not being honest when they portray missionaries this way. He says, of course, true Christians must everywhere be united in the brotherhood of the Christian church. But but what is the Christian church? It's those made up of Christians, those who submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is how we become brothers and sisters in Christ. By trusting in the Lord Jesus, uh, the, the Father forgives us of sin and sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that we cry out to the Father and to our older brother, the Lord Jesus, with this spirit of adoption, that he's given us. The brotherhood of man that liberals are talking about in Machen's day is really a shallow thing. Um, And and ultimately, it's a a soul-condemning thing if people stay in that. Uh, Well, Machen goes on to talk about the visible and the invisible church, the the distinction here. And so uh, I put up here on on the screen the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 25, says that the Catholic or universal church, so not the Roman Catholic, but using that word Catholic to mean universal, which is invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect, all those who are saved in Christ, that have been, are right now, or shall be gathered into one under Christ as the head thereof, 
the, the, the invisible church is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So it's the invisible church. It's the church, uh, it's the church everywhere throughout the ages, uh, those who are truly saved. But there's this acknowledgement that the visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, and it means there that it's not confined to one nation as before under the law, uh, it consists of those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, of which there is no ordinary, out of which there is no ordinary possible salvation. And so, uh, it's it's saying that if if you're a Christian, you'll you'll want to join with the church. Um, but it's also acknowledging that there's the universal church, but there's also there's the universal church, there's the invisible church, but there's also the visible church uh, in in which we gather together. Uh, it's the church that you can see um, gathered together on the Lord's day, and this. Uh, this church consists of those who make a profession of faith, but it's possible to profess faith and not actually to possess faith, to not have it and own it yourself. Uh, And the confession of faith goes on to uh, acknowledge this. And here's Machen really puts his finger on the problem and says the problem with the church in his day uh, is that non-believers are members in good standing of the visible church. Uh, that there are those who uh, are blatantly, in his day, are rejecting the scriptures, rejecting the Lord Jesus, and are trying to find some new uh, anti-supernatural version of Christianity, and it's not Christianity. Machen's essentially calling for church discipline, especially of the pastors who promote this kind of thing. And and he's, I think he's very charitable in this chapter. He's not saying that all those who would call themselves liberals, modernists in this way, are non-believers. But he is, he's, he's saying there are some people who can be confused, there are people that can be taken in by um, perhaps a charismatic uh, preacher or teacher, but he's saying that liberalism is not Christianity. And, and he's saying that Christianity and liberalism should not be propagated in the same institution. Uh, and so he says a separation between the two parties is the crying need of the hour. And so then comes the objection, well, what about unity, Machen? Aren't we all supposed to be unified together? Um, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but I want you just to consider as we've, as we've talked about this, you know, perhaps it is that we're not taken in by liberalism and the same sort of thing that Machen is speaking against in his book. But we should remember not to presume on being in the church without having a changed heart. Uh, that just having membership in the church, just growing up as a Christian uh, in a Christian family is not enough to save us. We must have a changed heart. Uh, We must love the Lord, repent of sin. Uh, You know, a question for us, do we evidence the spiritual, do we evidence spiritual growth uh, over the course as we look back over years of our life? Is the Lord doing something in our lives? Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Uh, Let us not only read these things and think about them for those people over there. But remember that we too, it's, uh, it's, it's possible for um, the, those among us to be deceived if we are uh, just showing up at church, but there's no real transformation in our hearts. We're still doing the same things uh, that we've always done, uh, the, the same sinful things uh, that we've always done. Uh, we must go to Christ uh, for forgiveness and the strength for new life. Well, next, Machen deals with this objection. What about unity? Um, 
uh, why, they say, may not brethren dwell together in unity. The church, we're told, has room for both theological liberals and conservatives. He says the conservatives may be allowed to remain if they will keep from trifling matters, if they will keep trifling matters in the background and attend chiefly to the weightier matters of the law. And maybe at first that sounds fine, that that's kind of the, the liberal way of thinking about these things. But then Machen says, and among these things thus designated trifling are found the cross of Christ as a really vicarious atonement for sin. And, and so the, the, the ones who are calling for unity are the very same ones who are saying, we, we want to be unified, we want to be together, but stop talking about the gospel, essentially. And so uh, what, Machen, uh, what Machen makes clear for us is that liberals are obscuring the issue. And he says, we're not the ones being narrow. The ones who believe the Bible are not the ones being narrow. What is it that makes you narrow? It's not disagreeing. It's not narrow to say, I, I understand my own argument and I want to understand your argument. It's narrow to say that our differences are no big deal at all. He says, calling for unity between the theological liberals and conservatives in the church at that time shows a disregard for the issue. Uh, if someone says, uh, if, if someone's a, a, a Christian and, and there's a Muslim and a Jew and they say, let's, let's just all get along and worship in the same place. Well, all three people should be offended because they don't believe the same thing. And it's a, it's a disregard of what they believe and hold dear to pretend uh, that these are not radically different things from each other. Uh, well, the, 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 the fact that Machen and others in his day are called narrow and foolish should remind us that we as Christians who believe the scriptures will be called narrow and even worse. Uh, maybe you've been called names for believing what you believe and thinking what you think. Uh, and, and if you haven't recently, you know, think for a moment, what kind of insult could somebody level against you that would sting you the most? Would it, be would it be to be called uneducated by someone that you thought was impressive? Or would it, would it be really bad for you if somebody thought that you were unloving because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead on the last day? Or if somebody thinks you're uncool, is that the worst possible thing that someone could say about you? What is it that someone could say to you that would really sting you? We, we have to remember what the Lord Jesus said in John 15, that if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. And this is really the problem with the moderns in Machen's day. They wanted to be loved by the world. And the truth is they were becoming just like the world. The world was owning them. But because you are not of the world, Jesus says, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. They persecuted me, they will persecute you also. In Matthew 5, 11, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends that section of the Beatitudes with, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad not because people have reviled you. You don't rejoice in being reviled and you certainly don't go out trying to stir up trouble. Uh, you're, the, the goal is not to be someone who just loves trouble for the sake of it. But Jesus says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Rejoice in, 
being identified with Christ. Rejoice in being united with Him and in sharing in the same sufferings that He shared. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so Machen's essentially saying, look, I don't care if someone calls me narrow, and you shouldn't either. Um, But he is also defending uh, his position, saying, look, this is not the narrow position. It is a slander. But Machen can handle being slandered. Uh, Well, next, Machen takes aim at the liberal pastor and says that they are not being honest. He calls for honesty in the ministry. And, and he gets into this by saying that churches are creedal. And he asks the question, are ministers being honest when they say they believe and will teach the creeds of the church? And he gives us an example because he's writing more broadly than just to Presbyterians. But he gives an, as an example his own denomination. Uh, and so he brings up the, office, the questions that uh, officers are asked. Uh, in in order to enter into the ministry. Uh, And the first two questions are these. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? And then second question, do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? So every every preacher in Machen's day that is... uh, is preaching against what the scriptures say has taken these vows if they're in the Presbyterian church with Machen. And so he says, if those questions don't put it clearly, it's difficult to see how any human language could possibly do so. It's it's plainly asking, do you believe what the Bible says? And do you think that the Westminster Confession, which is a wonderful summary of, uh, of what the scriptures teach on a variety of subjects, do you believe these and will you teach this? Uh, but Machen says it's, it's worse than guys who are a little unsure about what the Bible says or what the confession says. Liberal ministers are hostile to the standards that they have vowed to uphold. It's as if they take those vows and then they immediately set them aside and begin teaching against it. And again, Machen's really humble here and he's, he's, uh, he's very patient uh, with humble, struggling church members, uh, people who are in the pew who are saying, well, I'm still, I, I want to be here. I want to, I want to listen. I, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but help my unbelief. I, I want to grow and understand these things more. Machen has a lot more patience for that person than he does for the liberal pastor in his day uh, who is proud and who's teaching against the Scriptures. And so he essentially says, liberal pastors, find another church. And he says, like the Unitarians, for example. The Unitarians are honest, at least. They don't have a creed. Uh, They they believe in uh, God, and we use the word God really loosely in the Unitarian church. It can kind of mean whatever you want it to mean. And it's a bold thing that Machen is saying to the liberal preachers, but he says, look, go be a Unitarian. You'd be better off there. You'd fit in a lot better. And then he answers kind of an imagined objection, but that would be really hard. And he's not as explicit about this, but I I would lose my church, or I would lose my paycheck, I would lose my circle of influence that I have. And Machen says, yes, it would be hard, but it would have this benefit of being the the honest and right thing to do. So Machen is encouraging honesty from these pastors who do not believe the gospel anymore. Well, 
the, the next objection that Machen deals with is, well, why don't the conservatives leave? Why don't the people that believe like Machen, that believe the scriptures leave? And Machen says, well, we might have to. If the liberals continue to gain control in the Presbyterian church, they may well have to. And you'll remember that Machen doesn't leave the Presbyterian church on his own accord. He fights and he fights and he fights for the gospel until he's finally excommunicated from the church and he's defrocked. He loses his credentials to be a pastor in that denomination, so he goes and founds the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC. Um, But Machen essentially says, pastors, be honest. You may not like the Westminster Confession of Faith, but you do understand it. You know what it says. And you know that by by hijacking the orthodox uh, phrasing that you use in your sermons, you're really uh, avoiding, uh, avoiding the issue. Uh, and, and to the objection, well, if, uh, if, if, we, if, if the liberals left the denomination, then we would lose members. Uh, isn't this being too narrow? Aren't we going to run people off if we plainly teach and preach what the Scriptures say? And Machen was like, look, I would remind you of Gideon and his 300 and how the Lord kept paring down his army uh, so that then finally they were small enough to go and fight. So they were small enough so that the Lord would get the glory from all that they did. And so uh, Machen, I think, is very clearly reminding us of what really matters and what's really important and who is really in charge. Who is the head of the church? Is it us? Is it man? Is it our most famous, our most popular preacher or teacher? Is it the most charismatic person in the room? Who is the head of the church? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will preserve his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you trust Christ? And uh, as, as we move on from this section and as we go into the final one, um, just as we leave this, maybe, maybe you're not tempted to manipulate language like the liberal pastor. You, you hear that and you think, how could they possibly do something like that? They're talking about the gospel, um, but they really don't mean salvation from sin and, and transformation uh, from the heart. They mean something about uh, self-betterment. Um, they're, they're talking about God, but they really don't mean triune, the triune God as he's revealed himself in scripture. They mean, uh, they, they mean the world systems, or they have kind of a deistic uh, view that God started everything and then just kind of left it. Or they have a pantheistic view where God is in kind of all around us. They're using language in such a sketchy and manipulative way and we hear that and we think, oh, that's really awful. But we also need to be careful that we don't use language the same way. And, and one way that this comes up for us is in our own confession of sin. It's, it's pop, we know how words work. And it's possible for us to use language to evade and to shake and to soften our own sin. It's very important, brothers and sisters, when we come to the Lord and as we come to others who we need to confess our sin to, that we're honest about what we've done, how we've sinned, so that we can find uh, repentance and uh, and help from Christ. There's a uh, there's an Australian show that my kids watch, and so we're picking up all this Australian slang, and uh, and a, a word that they'll use for something that's sketchy or a little off is dodgy, and I really like that. It's a little off. It's a little dodgy, but it's like you're 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 trying to dodge. You're trying to evade these. These pastors in Machen's day were dodgy. They were trying to uh, dodge clear 
uh, questions and they would give dodgy answers. Uh, We need to not be dodgy in our confession of sin. We need to face our sin directly. The Lord sees us for exactly who we are. All are naked and exposed before His Word. And so why would we try to hide? Why would we try to dodge before Him? Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. For, uh, 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, if we, if we say exactly what we have done and who we are before the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if liberals think this way, can they, can they continue in the church? Well, Machen prepares the church for the theological battle ahead and say, okay, if, uh, if, if the liberals aren't going to leave and the people who believe the Scriptures aren't going to leave, then how do we continue to stand strong? And he gives in this final section that I'll call the battle or the battle plan. This is what he says. He says, Christianity is being attacked from within by a movement which is anti-Christian to the core. Uh, What is the duty of Christian men at such times? And he has has officers of the church specifically in mind here, uh, especially elders, um, but there's application for all of this in for all of us in this. So four strategy he four strategies he gives. First, support spiritual soldiers. Second, carefully check candidates. Third, guard the gospel. And fourth, feed the flock. So first, uh, he, he says that some say we should spread Christianity, not defend it. Uh, mission work over denomination work. And Machen's idea is you need both. So Machen was someone who was very concerned for these theological battles that were going on in the church. And sometimes that required to be that, that, that required him to be really specific about sometimes what seems to some people uh, really minor doctrinal issues that uh, someone who wants to be a pastor might have. And some people from the outside look at that and say, listen, aren't you a little bit too worried? Aren't you being a little too nitpicky about what's going on in your own church? Shouldn't the church be more concerned with uh, the spreading of the gospel and evangelism. And Machen's saying you both are really important. He says what they really intend, uh, those, those who say uh, Machen and guys like him, stop being so nitpicky about these things, stop worrying about it. What they really intend is the discouragement of the whole intellectual defense of the faith. And their motive for this is peacekeeping. Machen says, indeed, truth cannot be stated clearly at all without being set over against error. Does the Westminster Confession really have to compare our doctrine to Roman Catholic doctrine? Isn't that mean? It's like, well, yeah, no, it really has to. They're not doing it just to be mean, but they're they're doing it to say this is what, uh, here's a very clear teaching that's wrong, that the Scriptures do not teach. And so we'll set this wrong teaching out here plainly so that we can better show what the Bible teaches. Uh, it's, it's one thing to tell people what they should believe. It's another thing to also tell people what they should be on guard against. Uh, if, you, if you tell people, if, if you train soldiers in how to fire their gun, but you don't teach them what a landmine or an IED looks like, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. They'll be effective in some areas, but, uh, but then they'll be exposed to dangers in a whole another area. And so they need to be warned. 
And having these kind of spiritual battles is important in this. Machen, is, Machen and others like him are doing important work. Uh, and, and in our day, when uh, the, it's certainly possible to be doctrinally arrogant and nitpicky and rude. That's certainly possible. But when, some, when someone is humbly and boldly uh, trying to set truth against error, even, w- even when it's in our own denomination, uh, that, that's not a mean thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. And the people who are equipped to do such a thing, to stand for truth against error in that way, need to be supported and encouraged. And, and Machen was not, was certainly at different times in his ministry, not feeling the love from people. Uh, he was on the run from, uh, from uh, uh, one church in particular at one point in time because, uh, because of how, uh, how clear he was being about these issues. Uh, and, and yes, it makes people uncomfortable sometimes who want to keep peace. But keeping the peace is very different than being a peacemaker. You can keep peace and it be sort of a fake, shallow peace by never touching difficult issues. But to be a peacemaker, as Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, is to follow conflict resolution the way that the Scriptures teach. And that means going to someone one-on-one when they are in error and saying, out of love, out of concern for your soul, I want to say that you're not walking in step with the gospel. And sometimes if the person won't listen, that involves getting more people involved, and that's hard, and it's difficult, and it's awkward. We would much rather not do that sort of thing, but Walking faithfully with Christ requires the the difficult work of coming face to face with your sin. And if we're going to love brothers and sisters to to take them aside gently and humbly, uh, you who are spiritual, uh, seek to restore those uh, who are in sin. It's difficult work. And and those who are especially equipped to to wage these kinds of battles should be supported and encouraged. Machen reminds us on the same point that the New Testament is polemic, that Paul is attacking controversial opinions uh, as he's writing. Uh, We remember that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, but how how does God make sure such a thing happens? Well, he uses people. He uses men to defend her. And Machen says he has always saved the church not by theological pacifists. That's a helpful phrase, isn't it? Not by theological pacifists, but by sturdy contenders for the truth. And sturdy contenders for the truth aren't jerks, but people who are being theological pacifists might call them that uh, because because they're not supporting the work that needs to be done for the sake of the gospel. Well, that's his first strategy, support spiritual soldiers. Second, and this is specifically for elders, to carefully check candidates. Uh, An excuse is made, and Machen's heard it before, that a candidate Someone who wants who comes in and says, I want to be a pastor. They've gone through seminary. They, they want to go and preach in the church. A candidate will no doubt uh, that they'll come before, but then they'll express some, they'll come before uh, the presbytery and they'll express some uh, concerning views that they have, something that's unbiblical that they believe. And, uh, and, and the presbytery might want to go ahead and ordain them or license them to preach and send them out. And their excuse might be, the candidate will no doubt move in the direction of the truth. Let him now be sent out to learn as well as to preach. Machen's saying, are you crazy? It's not going to work that way. And, and this is, Machen is, is so clear here. And so another opponent of the gospel enters the council of the church. 
and another false prophet goes forth to encourage sinners to come before the judgment seat of God clad in the miserable rags of his own righteousness. That's not supposed to be rages. Uh, miserable rags of his own righteousness. Uh, it's, it could be. Um, uh, Machen's setting this very clearly, isn't he? Um, that that uh, the, 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 the presbytery that uh, ordains or licenses someone who's going to go and preach falsehood thinks that they're being kind. They don't want to discourage this young, this young minister. Maybe he's really passionate. Maybe he's really gifted in his abilities to preach and to communicate ideas. But he doesn't believe the gospel, and so it's not a kindness to him. Machen says it's never kind to encourage a man to enter into a life of dishonesty. It can be better to tell that guy, go be a Unitarian. Uh, approving liberals is unfaithful. It is strange how the interests of an utterly false kindness to men, in, in the interest of an utterly false kindness to men, Christians are sometimes willing to relinquish their loyalty to the crucified Lord. That's a stark way to put it, but Machen is calling out elders. He's calling out presbyteries and saying that when you license men to preach, when you ordain men who don't believe the Scriptures, uh, you, are being, you are being disloyal to Christ by doing so. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a needed word because that's a hard thing to do. Uh, it, it's hard to call someone out uh, for, uh, for, uh, for uh, believing false things like this, but it's got to be done. So Machen, the third strategy he brings up is to guard the gospel. The previous was about candidates, and this is about people who are currently preaching. And Machen gives a picture of his day here. He says, such a man, someone who, uh, a, a liberal preacher who's already in the pulpit, uh, maybe someone in the congregation or one of his elders will say, well, such a man, it is said, is a brilliant preacher. But what of the content of his preaching, Machen would ask in return, is his preaching full of the gospel of Christ? Well, the answer that he gets back is often evasive. It's dodgy. He says, they will say, well, he's of good standing in the church. And he's never denied the doctrines of grace. And Machen's like, what? He says, shall we be satisfied with such negative assurances? That about a preacher who is supposed to set forth the beauties, the excellencies of Christ, that you're you're content with saying, well, he's uh, he's a he's a member in the church, he's uh, he's a member in good standing of the presbytery. Uh, he's not denied the doctrines of grace. Uh, I, you know, that, it's kind of like saying, I, I really like my doctor. You should go to him. He's never killed anyone on purpose. This is like this is completely. It doesn't make any sense. Machen says, God grant that such satisfaction may be broken down. Well, finally, Machen wants, and this is relevant to, to all of us, uh, Machen says that the fourth strategy is to feed the flock. He calls for a renewal of Christian education, uh, that, the, that the church would be a place of people growing in their faith, reading their Bibles. He says, laymen, as well as ministers, and kind of get the sense that Machen's like, it feels like I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it, laymen as well as ministers should return in these trying days with new earnestness to the study of the Word of God. He's like, everybody, read your Bibles. This is the battle plan. Read your Bibles. And by the way, liberal pastors, be really nice if you dusted off your Bible and really read it. 
He says the present time is not a time for ease or pleasure, but for earnest and prayerful work. A terrible crisis unquestionably has arisen in the church in his day. And so Machen says, read your Bible. That's, uh, that's his big battle plan. And then his other, the other aspect of his battle plan is to worship. He says there must be somewhere groups of redeemed men and women who can gather groups of redeemed men and women who can gather humbly in the name of Christ to give thanks to him for his unspeakable gift and to worship the Father through him. Such groups alone can satisfy, can satisfy the needs of the soul. But then Machen paints a picture of what the church was looking like in his day in 1923. Uh, he essentially says those who are weary of the world walk into the church and they just find the world there. He says the preacher comes forward not out of the secret place of meditation and power, spending time in the Word and in prayer, not with the authority of God's Word permeating His message, not with human wisdom pushed far into the background by the glory of the cross. That's what church should look like, Machen is saying. But the liberal preacher comes with human opinions about the social problems of the hour or easy solutions to the vast problem of sin. It's a pretty sad picture of the church. Uh, and, and there are still churches in our day uh, that are like this. Uh, and, and there are, uh, and, and there are uh, popular ministries that uh, perhaps we are sometimes even tempted uh, to be interested in. And we say, look at the great thing that's uh, happening in that church. So many people are gathering together. Uh, but are they being fed the word of God? Machen asks, and this is, uh, these are his concluding sentences in the book, is there no refuge or no place of refreshing where a man can prepare for the battle of life? I think it's very helpful imagery for Machen to end with. Uh, remember, Machen who served in the war, who saw battle, who saw the men who were going to the front lines of battle. Uh, Machen sees that this theological battle is desperate. And it's important that we be a Bible-reading, uh, Christ-honoring, God-worshiping people. He says, where is the place where man can find refreshing uh, and to prepare for the battle of life? Is there no place where two or three can gather in Jesus' name and unite in overflowing gratitude at the foot of the cross? Because, brothers and sisters, we have reason to rejoice because we have come to Christ. We've come to the foot of the cross where our sins can be washed away, every one of them, and where we can find peace with God, friendship with Christ, power from the Holy Spirit, and life eternal in Him. Machen's asking, is there such a place like this? And he says, if there's such a place, then that is the house of God, and that is the gate of heaven. And from under the threshold of that house will go forth a river that will revive the weary world. It's the statement that Machen ends this book with, and it's fitting. Machen's pointing, where, where should you go? Where, where should you find hope? Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, and go to worship, go to the church. And do you want to see transformation in people's lives? Do you, the, the, the liberals in Machen's day claim to be concerned about people, about the world uh, that is dying and struggling? And Machen says, are you concerned about that? Then go to the scriptures. Liberal pastors preach the scriptures powerfully and unashamedly. Christians, gather for worship. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Read His Word. Pray. 
fellowship, encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and announce to your neighbors the gospel. Invite them to the church, to the place that from under the threshold of that place, where, uh, which will go forth a river that will revive the weary world. Lord, we pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for Christ, uh, who is our life. We thank you for the forgiveness of sin that we have in him. We pray that uh, as we worship this morning, uh, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Lord, that we, would not, uh, that, that we would not ignore or neglect the privileges that we have. Uh, Lord, so many in Machen's day were uh, ignoring and, uh, and downgrading the privileges that we have because of the gospel. Lord, let us see that you've given us nothing less than life and abundant life uh, in Christ. Lord, help us to rejoice and to celebrate. Help us not to be distracted by the promises of the world, even the places where worldliness is infiltrating the church and where people in our day, uh, out of a professed concern for other people who are broken and struggling, will, uh, will hide the gospel or will obscure the gospel. Uh, Lord, let us not uh, have any patience for such a thing. Lord, let us love the gospel. Let us love you uh, enough to stand firm for the gospel, no matter what the world may say. Lord, let us love you. Let us trust you. uh, And let us abound in hope. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, y'all.